Exodus chapter 4 verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Moses is talking about when he goes to his own people, the Hebrews, and tells them that God appointed him to liberate them out of Egypt. He doesn't think that his own people will believe him. Remember, the only experience he's had with his own people, who weren't his family members, was that they were going to tell on him for murdering the Egyptian. And that man actually says to him, Has God made you our judge and our leader? That's his only experience with his people, so he doesn't expect them to want him to be their leader. 2. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thy hand? And he said, A rod. And it's a shepherd's staff. 3. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. God made it turn into a snake. There's a whole lot of Bible heroes who are shepherds and shepherdesses. Moses' wife was a shepherdess. Now Moses is a shepherd. Abraham and Lot were shepherds. Jacob was a shepherd, and all of his sons were shepherds. It was shepherds who came to witness the birth of Jesus Christ. And Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd. He's the only Good Shepherd, because he is the door that we go through to get to the Father. When a shepherd protects its sheep at night, it puts them into an enclosure that doesn't have a physical door. The shepherd himself becomes the door of the enclosure to guard the sheep against wolves and anybody else who would harm the sheep. That's Jesus. He is our door. It's not a physical door. He himself is going to protect us from the evil one and keep us safe. And bad shepherding means bad character. Joseph's brothers were really bad shepherds because they had bad character. They didn't actually watch over the sheep. They would have one or two men watching over way too many sheep while the other guys were goofing off. They were terrible shepherds. And many pastors today are terrible shepherds. The Bible in Ezekiel chapter 34 is talking about really bad shepherds who don't actually watch over their sheep. They entertain the sheep to get tithe but they don't actually feed them the word of God, and they don't watch over them and admonish them or rebuke them when necessary when they're in sin and lovingly guide them back into the fold. When they see that somebody goes off in sin and leaves the fold, they don't care because they can get somebody else to take their place and continue tithing. So that's a bad shepherd. But Moses is obviously a good shepherd. 5. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. God is saying, when they see this sign that your staff turns into a snake, they will believe that I sent you. 6. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, put now thy hand into thy bosom. And that means stick your hand into your tunic. So that's where Moses put his hand. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as white as snow. 7. And he said, Put thy hand back into thy bosom. And he put his hand back into his bosom. And when he took it out of his bosom, behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. Now, some people use this as an argument to say that being white is leprosy and God didn't create anybody white. He only created black people. And that's there's a movement that says that all Israelites are black. Now, a lot of Israelites are black. The tribe of Dan had black people in it and still does. And the Ethiopians are black and they're Jewish. But there's this movement that says that because of this verse, that that means that white is evil and it's leprosy. But it said white as snow. No white person's hand is as white as snow. And if it was, you would know you were really sick. 
because white people's hands are kind of a cream color or a peach color. They're not actually white, just like black people's skin isn't true black. It's kind of a deep dark brown or a light brown or a grayish color or something like that. It isn't a true black. If your hand was truly as white as snow, you would know that you were sick. And if your hand was truly solid black, you would know something's wrong. So he was sick. He did have leprosy, although his normal skin color may have been brown. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. He's saying, if they don't believe that I sent you when they see your rod turn into a snake, then those who don't believe that will believe when they see that your hand becomes leprous. And he says the voice of the latter sign, the voice of the first sign. And that shows that it's the word of God. It's the word of God that Moses is being sent. 9. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe even these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river, and pour it upon the dry land. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. This is interesting because the sins of Egypt represent blood, blood that's been shed wrongly. And that's why their water keeps turning to blood. It's a sign of their sin that they have hurt other humans. They've persecuted and murdered other humans. And that's why blood is part of their punishment throughout the Exodus. So the Lord has given Moses three signs, the snake, the leprosy, and water being turned to blood. It also symbolizes Jesus Christ because eventually he's going to redeem the whole world by his blood. 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O Lord, I am not a man of words, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, for I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. There's a part in the Bible that says that Moses was the most humble man on the planet of his time. Part of his humility was that he just didn't see himself as being good enough. And that's not the kind of humility that we're supposed to have as Christians. We're not supposed to be proud of ourselves, but we're not supposed to be self-haters either. But Moses almost seems to be kind of a self-hater. But basically, he's very conscious and very aware of all of his shortcomings. And that in itself is a good thing. It's good that we're aware of our shortcomings because a lot of people aren't aware and they think that they have nothing to learn and that they're above it all and better than others when they're really not. But Moses was very aware that he was not better than others and that is a good thing. So he says he's a terrible speaker. 11. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh a man dumb, or deaf, or seen, or blind? Is it not I the Lord? Now this goes against a lot of the healing ministries, because they claim that God will never, ever, ever cause anybody to get sick or have anything wrong with their body. Obviously, Satan does attack people and make them sick, but sometimes God appoints people. In some translations, this verse actually says, Who appointed a man to be dumb, deaf, seen, or blind. If you are suffering physically, you have some sort of handicap or disease that although Satan may have been allowed to attack you and cause you to have this problem, God has also appointed you. He gave Satan the permission to do it. He's appointed you to have this problem for his own glory so that you can get healed and glorify him or so that he can be glorified in your weakness because God always chooses the weak. And that's one of the reasons why he chose Moses because Moses is a weak speaker. He has a low outlook on himself and he doesn't want to be a leader. And you'll see this throughout the Exodus. Moses does not want to be a leader, but he ends up being the greatest leader that Israel ever had. It's because God chose a weak person on purpose so that everybody would know it was God. 
if he picks the strongest and the brightest and the person with the most money and best resources and best connections, then it looks like the person did it and people won't give God the credit. So God will always pick the weak. Sometimes he'll appoint you to have a handicap or be born into poverty so that in your weakness, he is made greater that all the miracles that he does in your life are obvious miracles and nobody can accredit you for it. So rejoice in whatever problems you have because it's for the glory of God. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't pray for healing and deliverance. 12. Now therefore go and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt speak. This is kind of like deliverance. God is saying, I appointed you to not be a good speaker, but I will be with you and I'm going to make you a good speaker. That's like healing. You know, I've appointed you to be in a wheelchair for a time, but I'm going to be with you and I'm going to make you able to do anything that I ask you to do, regardless of the wheelchair. 13. And he said, O Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. Moses still doesn't believe that God will work in his life. And he says, send somebody else. And This makes God angry because he's basically telling God, you can't work in my life. And that's a lack of faith. If you believe that God cannot work in your life and will not work in your life, you're making God angry because it's showing that you don't have faith in him. So you need to believe that he will work in your life no matter what the circumstances. 14. And the anger of God was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron thy brother the Levite? I know that he can speak well, and also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. 15. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you what ye shall do. He's saying, I'm going to let you have a helper. I'm sending Aaron right to meet you. I know that he speaks well, and I'm going to let him do some of the talking, but you're going to have to talk too. So God is really being gracious to Moses. You know, he doesn't want to strike lightning on us just because we make him angry once or disappoint him one time. He's so loving and gracious that sometimes he'll work even in our unbelief. Remember the one man who came to Jesus and asked healing for their child, and he said, I believe, help my unbelief. So he meant, I've got some faith. I know I don't have enough faith. Give me the rest of the faith. And you can say the same thing to God. You can say, help me in my spiritual weakness. Help me in my lack of faith. Give me more faith and please keep working with me even though I don't have the faith that I should have. 16. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people and it shall come to pass that he shall be to thee a mouth and thou shalt be to him in God's stead. So now God is saying, Aaron is going to be your speaker. And whatever I tell you, you tell Aaron, Aaron will take it as the word of God. Now this mimics a couple of things. John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was the mouthpiece of the ministry of Jesus Christ before Jesus came. And then in the book of Revelation, there will be the false prophet and the beast. And the false prophet will pretend to be like John the Baptist to the Antichrist. So he will be the mouthpiece of the beast, the Antichrist. So Satan will mimic what we had with John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. And Moses and Aaron are a foreshadowing of John the Baptist and Jesus Christ to come.
17. And thou shalt take in thy hand this rod wherewith thou shalt do the signs. So God says, always keep this staff with you so that you can do the signs at any time. 18. And Moses went and returned to Jethro his father-in-law and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren that are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. So Moses isn't telling Jethro the whole story. He's making up an excuse that isn't really the truth. For some reason, he decided not to tell Jethro that God has sent him to Egypt. And that could be to give him more courage. It could be because he's afraid that if he tells Jethro the whole story, that Jethro won't believe it and it'll downgrade his own faith. Or it could be that he thinks Jethro would try to stop him. Often you don't tell people what you're going to do if you're afraid that they'll try to stop you. 19. And the Lord said unto Moses and Midian, Go return into Egypt, for all the men are dead that sought thy life. When Moses was wanted for murder, all those people have passed away. 20. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. His whole family isn't on one donkey. They each have their own donkey. 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest back into Egypt, see that thou do before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in thy hand. But I will harden his heart, and he will not let the people go. 22. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus said the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Now look, God is calling Israel his firstborn and his son. And firstborn implies that you're going to have more children. The other children that God is going to have is going to be the Gentiles later in the New Testament who learn that Jesus is their Lord and that he is God and has died for their sins. You and I, if we're Gentiles, we're the rest of the children of God. But his firstborn son is Israel. This also is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, his one and only begotten son. There's a difference between your son and your begotten son. Anybody can be your son by adoption or by whatever, but a begotten son is from yourself. Jesus is the only begotten son of God because he is God. He is one with the Father. He's from the Father because he's one with the Father. 23. And I have said unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me, and thou hast refused to let him go. Behold, I will slay thy son, thy firstborn. Ultimately, Moses is going to tell Pharaoh God's message that because you won't let my son go, my firstborn son, which is all the children of Israel, all the millions, because you won't let them go, I am going to kill your son. And that is what's going to happen. 24. And it came to pass on the way at the lodging place that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. So now God is coming to kill Moses. And you might think this is crazy, but we'll read a little further. The lodging place is where he and Zipporah and his children have traveled to on the way back to Egypt. 25. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet. And she said, Surely a bridegroom of blood art thou to me. Now this shows that their child had not been circumcised up to this point. But evidently, Zipporah knew that God wanted their child circumcised. She's a Midianite, and Moses is a Levite from Israel. All the Israelites get circumcised, and they know that that's God's command, because it came from Abraham. And anyone who's in their family, including their servants, has to be circumcised. But Zipporah did not circumcise her son. So evidently, Zipporah's belief, being a Midianite, was that, well, we don't need to be circumcised. My father is a priest, and we're not circumcised. But that's because they're from Abraham's second wife, Keturah, and they didn't have that commandment. 
Zipporah thinks that her children don't need to be circumcised because she's a Midianite. But what she doesn't realize is all of her children are Hebrews because their father, Moses, is a Hebrew. And they do have to be circumcised. And that's why God was coming to kill Moses, was because Moses had broken the commandment. Now Zipporah says, Surely a bridegroom of blood art thou to me. 26. So he let him alone, meaning God did not kill him. Then she said, A bridegroom of blood in regard of the circumcision. Remember, in the New Testament, circumcision is not a physical act anymore. It's an act of the heart, and it means that we are sorry for our sin, and we want to be consecrated, and we want to live for God. The physical circumcision in the Old Testament is only a foreshadowing of the spiritual circumcision of the heart that takes place when Jesus Christ comes, and that's what you and I have to have. Our kids don't have to be physically circumcised, but they have to be circumcised in the heart in order to be part of God's family. When she says bridegroom of blood, it's very interesting because Jesus Christ is a bridegroom of blood because the church is his bride. He is the bridegroom and he is the bridegroom of blood, not because of physical circumcision, because he doesn't require it. He only requires a circumcision of the heart, which is a spiritual thing that you can't see. But he's a bridegroom of blood because he died on the cross and he shed all of his blood for us. Zipporah is calling Moses what Jesus is. 27. And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went and met him in the mountain of God and kissed him. So again, they kiss on the neck when they meet. Aaron met Moses in Horeb. Horeb is the mountain of God. And later, God is going to actually rest and dwell on that mountain for a long period of time while the Israelites worship him. 28. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord wherewith he had sent him, and all the signs wherewith he had charged him. 29. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. 30. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses, and did the signs in the sight of the people. Aaron has become the mouthpiece of Moses. So Moses basically rehearsed the whole message to Aaron and all of the signs and wonders. And then when he went to his people, he was too afraid to speak. So Aaron then rehearsed it to all the people. Moses didn't have to confront his people. Aaron did it while Moses is standing there watching on the sidelines. 31. And the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had remembered the children of Israel, and that he had seen their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. They do believe the message from Aaron and Moses. They've accepted it. Hallelujah. And that concludes Exodus chapter 4.